Welcome to Live Free Church. We're a church that's passionate about reaching people at all costs. Here you can find all our recent sermons. We are so glad you joined us today. We want people to live free lives ultimately found in Jesus because we believe that free people, free people. So we're continuing in Mark. We've been in Mark for a while here. Um, I'm in Mark chapter 2. We're going to go 13 to 22, so if you have a Bible and you want to get there, you can. Um, But it's a little bit ironic because I'm talking about the call of Levi. And, okay, if you don't know me, my name is Levi. So I'm not talking about myself in third person when I'm going through this. It's actually someone else, okay? So that's very important for you to know. Uh, But it's been interesting to kind of read through this and to think through it because... There's like the, the name connection, but then as it goes deeper, I actually do feel that there's this personal connection with the call of Levi, and I think that we can all have this connection, and there's quite a bit here that I'm going to go through. Um, so yeah, you can follow along here in verse 13. So Jesus went out again beside the sea. The whole crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. Then passing by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. While he was reclining at the table in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples, for there are many who are following him. When the scribes who were Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he told them, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. People came and asked him, Why do John's disciples and the Pharisees' disciples fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, The wedding guests cannot fast while the groom is with them, can they? As long as they have the groom with them, they cannot fast. But the time will come when the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast on that day. No one sews a patch of unshrunken cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new patch pulls away from the old cloth, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is lost, as well as the skins. No, new wine is put into fresh wineskins. So there's a lot there. There's, it's pretty long, and I think there's a few things I want to kind of pull out of that that I think are applicable to us today. And so the first thing is we see Levi, right? He, um, Jesus is coming beside the sea. The whole crowd is coming to him. Um, Jesus is pretty popular at this point. People are following him. He's teaching them. And he's passing by this guy named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he gets up and he follows him. And Levi was a Jewish tax collector. And I think that's very important to know. Um, if you know anything about a Jewish tax collector in the Bible, it's that they were despised people, right? They were hated. They were rejected by society. They couldn't testify in court because they're untrustworthy. Um, That's who this guy is. Um, It's speculated and talked about that Levi actually is the writer of Matthew, and his name would be changed later. Um, And so people have talked about how he actually might be the writer of Matthew. And Levi's sitting in this tax booth, and he's just doing his job, He's worked very hard to get here, right? To be a tax collector, you have to basically sell yourself to the Roman government as 
um, someone who's just going to do their bidding. So you'd be paying in to the Roman government, and then you would be taxing the people around you. And Levi being a Jewish tax collector, that means he's taxing the very people that he came from. Um, the Israelite nation was the Jewish people. So he was despised. He was hated. And Levi really was building this life for himself. And I think that's what I want us to see is how he took all his time and resources and put it into building this little life that would be just beneficial for him. And it's beneficial for his own gain, how he would be rich and he would have possessions and money. And he just ignored everything else. He had this direction he wanted in life and he was going for it and he was striving for it and nothing was going to stop him. Okay, because he's given up so much already. He's already probably one of the most hated people in that region. He probably has no friends, or if he does, they're not great friends. They're horrible. And so he has, the only thing is that he's built this thing. That's the only thing he has. And I think a lot of us can be like Levi in that scenario. Right? We want to live our individual lives. We want to not be inconvenienced by people or by problems. I think we can create these lives that are just so set into one direction. Like, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to get a good job, and then I'm going to get the house, and then I'm going to be married, I'm going to have kids and my family, and everything becomes just about what we are and who we are and what we desire. And I think we can relate to Levi in that way. But what is so interesting and cool about this is that Jesus, it's kind of casual, like, the way Jesus comes along is, is almost just like he's walking by, sees Levi, he's like, hey, come on, let's go. Right? Jesus comes and he calls into Levi's life. He calls into our lives, into our individuality, so we can actually experience the closeness of Christ. And Jesus calls us out of a life that we build completely for ourselves. I think it's interesting that Levi, he built this life almost in this five-by-five five tax booth box, and nothing outside of it was on his radar of what could be a possibility. I know in my own life when I'm feeling like I just need to have money, and I need to be okay, and I need to be secure, and I want my wife and I's health to be fine, I get so obsessed with just my little box, my little tax booth I make for myself. And Jesus is actually calling into that. He calls into our individuality. And he's calling us to come take a look outside of that booth. He's saying, you have this life. You have your direction, right? We have these things that we make our ultimate goals. And Jesus is saying, I have something so much more than you. I'm calling you to relationship with me. I'm calling you to a depth of knowledge of who I am. I will know you and I love you. And we need to step outside of our little boxes we put around ourselves where we can't just see past our four walls and actually go into the place that Jesus is calling us to. Go to the people that Jesus is calling us to. We live these oppositional lives sometimes to Jesus' call in our life. And this call that Jesus puts on Levi's life was actually quite unique, right? Because he's calling Levi from this life of um, solitary and being alone. And he's saying, come have a relationship with me. Levi's never experienced that before. 
He's saying, come follow me and I'll teach you. Come eat meals with me. Come be in community. He's welcoming him into his space, into his life. Levi's never had that, and he's, Jesus is still offering us that today. I think this group gathering here today is even a part of that, how we are a community that gathers, and that's Jesus saying, hey, come be a part of something that's more than you. Come know people. Come be loved. Come experience this close relationship. And we can't live in our individuality and opposition as well as in a relationship with Jesus. It's actually either or. And sometimes I think it's easier to live that oppositional lifestyle. It's easy to be angry. It's easy to be angry and hate people. It's actually hard to forgive. It's easy to isolate ourselves away from people. It's easy just to be focused on ourselves. And it's hard to be in relationship. It's hard to let someone be a friend to you or you be a friend to someone because it takes work. It's easy to medicate. It's easy to turn to alcohol. It's easy to turn to drugs. It's easy to turn to maybe money or possessions. That's so easy. It's hard to open up deep wounds. It's hard to accept healing. It's easy to rely on ourselves. It's easy to think that we have this pathway. It's easy to think that the way we're going is the right way because we tell ourselves that, but Jesus wants to bring us into a different way that we couldn't even imagine. And it's so easy to rely on who we are, what we have, and what we can do. And God wants to move past that individuality into a relationship with us, into a relationship with others, with the church, with serving. And I love what Levi does when he does experience that, right? He experiences the call. He experiences the relationship. And it moves on in verse 15 and says, While he was reclining at the table in Levi's house, there's lots of tax collectors and sinners. They're eating with Jesus. And the scribes and the Pharisees, who are the ultra-religious people, they asked him why he's eating with these tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus says to them, it's not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. What if our church responded as, as Levi did? Or what if we personally responded as Levi did? Right? He experiences this relationship and this call. And I don't know if I can say I've even done this myself, but he's so overwhelmed with with joy and probably emotion, and he actually feels known that he goes and gets all his friends and throws a massive party because he wants them to experience the exact same thing that he just did with Jesus. What would our churches look like? What would our relationships look like? How would we speak of people? How would we work? How would we love people? What I find interesting is that Jesus comes down to the table with these people, right? Why are you eating with sinners and tax collectors? They're asking him. And I think that's a representation of our church, what we need to be. As a smaller church plant starting up in Kelowna, it's an interesting city with very interesting people. I don't think people really care about religion these days. But what they might care about is if you come to the table. Often I think we're kind of in the background we're up on the mountain and we're kind of screaming down at people. Or I can feel this in my own life where I'm like, well, you need Jesus. 
but I'm not the one to come down here to the table and actually talk to you about what that means or talk to you about being healed or give you love. I'm just in the background saying, yeah, you need God. I'm going to wait for someone else to do that. And I think our church needs to be actively coming to the table. I think that's a challenge for us. Who are we loving? Who are we discipling? Who are we telling about Jesus? And he says that I didn't come for the righteous, I came for sinners because they need to be healed. And Jesus is the only one who can heal a broken spirit. I think that we need to experience that first. That Jesus is the only one who can heal a broken spirit. So when I'm feeling in my anxiety and depression because I have my school and my work and it just feels like it's bundling up and I'm just relying more and more on myself and saying, well, I can do more, I can maybe neglect this person, but I'm not coming to Jesus broken and just saying, I need your healing, I need your comfort. I don't know what it is for you, but we've all been somewhere that we've been broken and we need to be healed. For my wife and I, often it's... um, her eczema she struggles with, and honestly, our, our system that is struggling to give us medication that we need, and we are relying on ourselves often, saying, well, we can make more money here. We could do this. We could maybe call this person, and we forget to come and just come to the table with Jesus and to be prayer, prayerful and in the scriptures and allow him to come around us and to love us. And I think that's the first thing is that we... All have been broken and we need that healing. But then when Levi experienced that healing, he wanted everyone to know about it. And I think that's when we come down to the table. When we love people as a church, when we bring them in. Jesus is our ultimate example and that's what he shows us that we need to do. In verse 18 he goes on, so now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. People came and asked him, Why do John's disciples and the Pharisees' disciples fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, The wedding guests cannot fast while the groom is with them. As long as they have the groom with them, they cannot fast. But the time will come when the groom will be taken away from them, they will fast on that day. And I don't want to spend too long on this, but this little kind of interesting tidbit on what's happening here. Um, Fasting, if you don't know what that is, it's usually giving up of something, and they would give up food, um, usually. And the ultra-religious would sometimes fast up to twice a week. Um, The Israelites would for sure fast on the Day of Atonement. And they're asking him why they're not fasting, right? And he uses this example of the wedding feast. And he's talking about how you can't fast when the groom is with you because weddings were this big celebration. They would last like a week or maybe a month. So you are exempt from these certain religious rules that they had, like fasting. But what Jesus is trying to say here is that like he is the groom and they can't fast when he's there because they're celebrating with him because one day he's going to be taken away from them. And this is actually the first time that Jesus is um, kind of in his riddly way because oftentimes people didn't know what he was talking about when he was talking to them. But this is the first time in the Gospel of Mark now where we see that Jesus is seeing himself as king, seeing that he's going to be there but then be gone eventually. And we're actually living in the technical gone, 
but we now have the spirit that he sent, and I think that's something that we can celebrate in. We don't have to fast as if Jesus is dead. He's actually still alive. He's actually still offering this relationship, and that's what we celebrate every day. That's why we come here together. That's why we go into our homes and talk about um, the scripture that we hear on a Sunday, because we're celebrating that Jesus is alive. And he moves on in 21, and he says that no one sews a patch of unshrunken cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new patch pulls away from the old cloth, and a worse tear is made. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is lost, as well as the skins. No, new wine is put into fresh wineskins. Jesus is saying that he is the new, right? And that we are the old, right? The, the new cloth can't go in the old one because it's going to shrink and tear away. And new wine can't go into old wineskins because it bursts, okay? So we can't fit Jesus into our self-made rhythms. These old rhythms that we've had. These things that we've clung to in our life, right? Just like Levi, how he was in the tax booth. And that was the only thing he was working towards. He was just trapped in this five-by-five five box with his ideas and his mentalities and what he's going to succeed in. Jesus isn't going to fit into that version of who we are. That's not why he came and died on a cross. He actually came to make us completely new. Um, Colby said this before that I think we make Jesus into our image and then we actually lose out on the Jesus of the Bible, the true Jesus, the real Jesus. Because when we put Jesus into our self-made rhythms, we then begin to make Jesus what we want him to be. We make our relationship with him just what we need and what we desire. It's too easy to make Jesus in our own image. And sometimes I think, when we do that, because we're just continually recycling our own brokenness and our own thoughts and our own concepts onto Jesus, we just can remake hurt and remake pain and failure and misunderstanding because that's the only thing that we know how to create is actually nothing really good. But when Jesus is the one creating those things, then we're made completely new. And in that, I think we have a lot of our doubts and a lot of the pain and the struggle. And in my own life, I know I've made Jesus a maybe man when I've made him in my image. And I say maybe man in the way of like, maybe Jesus can heal me. Maybe he can heal me physically. Maybe he can heal me spiritually, mentally. Maybe the spirit will guide me. Maybe it's real. Maybe it's true. Maybe there's a purpose to a relationship with God. Maybe God has a purpose for my life. Maybe he can give me identity. Maybe he can bring me a relationship. And then these, these maybes and these struggles, I think, then reflect themselves out. And then we start to say things like, I think Jesus is okay if I'm 
drinking every night, getting drunk, because that's our perception of him. When I think Jesus says, it's okay if I want to use my money just to spend it all on myself, and I don't need to give to people or to give to the church. I can just be selfish, and I think it's okay if I'm isolated, because Jesus understands that I need to be lonely, and I don't want to be with people. But Jesus has healed us so that we can be new so that we can know him and understand him. Jesus calls us to a close relationship with him. Just like Levi, he's calling us. And he calls us because he wants us to be healed. He doesn't want us to live in brokenness. He's come to the table with us. He's desiring us. He's he's loving us, giving us a different perspective on life. And then in that, he's making us new. He gives us a new spirit. He gives us a new direction. He gives us a new path. He gives us a new vision for the future. He's not going to fit into our old rhythms, but he actually desires for us to be completely different, completely new. And then in that, I think that challenge comes out of that when we experience that relationship, when we experience that healing, when he makes us new, then as individuals and as the church, we actually desire to come to the table and to know others. Come to the table and let others experience that healing. And we make room for Jesus actually to work in our lives in that way. And I just want that to be the challenge for us today as we go into our weeks and our months, into people's lives, into our workplaces, that we're not just standing afar, just saying you need this love or come experience this love, but that we'd actually be bringing that love into our lives for those around us. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you, you do heal us and provide for us. That you've come to the table in our brokenness, in our broken spirits and in our pain and that you fully desire us that you've chosen us, even though we may feel as if we're the worst of the worst like Levi, that we just need to step out of our box and experience what you have for us and all those good things. And I just pray that we'll rely on you to make us new. That we trust that you're going to change our direction in life. You're going to change our our mind and our, our hearts and that we'd be made new in who you are in your path. We just thank you for that, God. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.